Hey everyone and welcome to yet another episode of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. As always, I'm going to be the king of the mod, the podfather of professional wrestling, Flash Morgan Webster. And more important than that, for the next 45 minutes to the hour, to the hour and a half, however long this conversation with Sierra Loxton goes this week, I will be your host. So that's it. Facilitate uh, these chats, discussions, gatherings. You know me, absolutely love that word gatherings with your wrestling favourites. Or as I like to call them, my wrestling uh, get get the uh, the usual jibber jabber out the way. Of course, this podcast comes to you free of charge every Wednesday. iTunes, Spotify, uh, Buzzsprout, Podbean, Podcast Addict. Most other places isn't anymore. Is SoundCloud, and I guess we'll find out in a day or two. I think it's tomorrow. Maybe it's today. Technically, that the SoundCloud Premium uh, subscription I've cancelled runs out. So well, I guess we'll find out whether all those episodes have now vanished and the only ones that are in place uh probably joke away onwards and might then kind of re-upload and try to put other ones on in place but then maybe keep uh keep some of the ones then in place for uh on a patron or i don't know something like that I'll, I'll figure it out um if that is the case hopefully it's all stayed up and you'll get it for free if not i'm gonna have to find new ways to upload it uh, but yeah, you can listen to it on most places like that um it does come free of charge i do find sponsors every now and again but I don't charge you guys for this. Um, and hopefully I can continue to do that. Um, um, if not, then... Uh, uh, yeah, I will continue to do that. I'm jabbing on a little bit. I'm a little tired. I've just done... Uh, sorry. I've just done a, a 15k, 20k bike ride. So I've come back. I'm feeling a bit tired. Hay fever's definitely kicking my ass at the moment. So I feel a bit drained. Uh, but yeah, podcast comes to you free of charge from most places. If you are enjoying the podcast, any of the ones that have gone on, or if you enjoy this one today, then please be sure. And the best way to support this podcast is to uh, jump on social media, uh, rate, subscribe, review it on the iTunes. But yeah, social media, I'm at underscore Morgan, um, at, I'm at Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster on the Facebook. I'm at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. Uh, or if you want to send me an email, uh, let me know some tricks to the trade when it comes to podcasting. Send me, I've had some lovely emails through recently uh, with people telling me how much they're enjoying it. Um, or uh, just anything in general, the best way to do that, of course, is flashmoment.live.co.uk. Uh, I'm all over the place today. I do try to get back to as many emails as possible. I do get quite a lot of them. But uh, yeah, that's the best way to do it. But if you are enjoying the podcast, the best way to support it is to rate, subscribe, review on whatever platform you're listening to or to uh, tweet it out let everyone know uh, exactly how much you're enjoying this podcast because word of mouth is the best way to do it. Uh, yeah, I think that that's it. So, uh, yeah, today's guest. Today's guest is Sierra Loxton. It's a great one. Um, I've got some of ones in the pipeline that I've recorded a couple of weeks back. There are probably some people who are listening to these ones or, uh, or watching them and they go, hey, I did a podcast a few weeks with him. Why isn't mine gone up? And uh, it's sometimes uh, it's to do with ones being case-sensitive. I had a few lined up, and then of course I got Edge. Edge coincided exactly with my 100th episode. It made sense to have my biggest guest at the time uh, with my biggest episode, 100th episode, so I dropped that one in. Uh, Sierra Loxton, uh, for all you don't know, has had to retire from pro wrestling. We do get into that, and uh, it's uh, something I want to cover quite quickly. I want to make sure that her story was told and we could round everything up while uh, while people were still... Uh, Still kind of get to terms with it and people were, and you know, it was fresh in people's memory. I didn't want to kind of speak to her in uh, three or four months time uh, when, you know, how she's feeling and the emotions she has and uh, how she felt when she had to 
retire have kind of subsided and she's like i'm okay i really want to kind of sit her down and kind of speak to her in the moment talk about those feelings she had let her vent it out but also kind of explain to her why she's had to retire and also kind of everything that led up to the incident in which meant that she had to retire so again this is case sensitive i do have some great ones lined up again i'm not going to go into it uh, but this is a really great podcast. It's a full retrospect of her career. I'm somebody who's known her since the first day she walked into a uh, training facility or at least a few weeks into it or whatever. Um, I've known her for her entire career. Um, I was somebody who was unfortunately there uh, during the days leading up to her after the surgery after the incident. And uh, I say unfortunately, it was unfortunate because I had to see and it was quite upsetting to see. But also, I guess it was really good that we were in the London area and we were able to support her. But yeah, it's a great, it's a great podcast. It really is. Um, it's one that uh, she's. We even spoke a little bit offline that she's not usually that open about how she feels, and she'd be quite closed book, or she's not, she's not level headed when she says. So sometimes she can be quite emotive, and I feel that this is a very good podcast. She uh, approaches uh, the subject very professionally. She's very grown up about the whole situation, and I'm glad we gave it a week or two before. She had to uh, a week or two after the announcement and we didn't just jump straight into it a day or two after because I know how upset she was speaking to her uh, in the days leading up to it and the days after it. So I'm glad we gave it at least a week or something before we sat down and chatted. Enough, I feel, to keep the emotions kind of relative, but also enough that she was able to deal with and kind of factor in how she was feeling and be able to process that. Uh, but yeah, it's a great podcast. I'm going to I'm gonna nip in the bud now and let you guys get into it um, with Sierra Loxton. And uh, I'll see you on the other side. So, yeah, sit back, relax, and enjoy what is a wonderful conversation. Gavrin with Sierra Lockton. Enjoy, people. How are you? You okay? Yeah, I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I'm just, I think I'm, I'm unsure. I think I'm just going through a routine of kind of doing what I'm doing now. And I'm a bit like, I think I'm going to struggle when we come out of this, just because I feel like I'm a creature of habit. <laughs> so I really, I do, I do think I'm going to struggle. Like, I've, I've got all this gym equipment here now, and I'm a bit like, I don't want to go back to the gym. I just want to train in the shed. Oh, I know. I think we all get quite lazy as well, don't we? And we just get in like a routine of like going to bed really late. And then when it all goes back to normal, it's going to be so hard. I think with me as well, it's just, it's, it's a matter of, I am, I'm lazy in the sense of, I realise now that like it takes me sometimes like if I walk to the gym or if I decide to get in the car to the gym, now I'm a bit like, well, no, I don't have to know. I can just walk outside yeah. the shed. <laughs> And that's literally what, and, and Jordan's like, that's going to, you sure, and you can't do that because you end up just cutting yourself off on the world. And I was like, I know I shouldn't, but yeah. you, which is really bad. Oh, I know, uh, but at least you've got like a gym there though. Yeah, I've been pretty good with that. This CrossFit place up here is pretty good. And they rent me stuff and I've been picking bits and pieces up as I go along. So. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Uh, tell me about your, uh, tell me what your scooter you just bought then. Um, yeah, it's like a direct bike, like 50cc. And um, my nan seen it and she was just like, come here quickly, look at this. And I was like, what? And then she was like, that'd be perfect for you for work and just nip into the shop to grab a few bits. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then obviously, like, because I had like a full driver's license, my nan was like, just do it. Like, you know, it only was so cheap on like insurance and everything. And like road tax and petrol was like four pounds for like two weeks or whatever. So I was like, okay, I'll just get it. And then I didn't realise I had to do a CBT test. So now I have to buy <laughs> So now I have the bike and I'm literally like, oh my God. But um, I did ring um, 
one one earlier actually and just ask them and they said as long as I have L plates on it and I'm once COVID is over and I do my CBT test then I can I can still ride it without doing a CBT but I gotta take it within the next two years so I was like oh okay have you uh have you looked at CBT yet because of course I've, I've got mine but have you looked to see if that's yeah uh, no, yeah, they're not open at all. I tried ringing them and emailing them, but they're all closed. I couldn't even send an email or anything. But, like, I think it's on, like, um, it's literally just, like, a day course for, like, £130. And on weekends, it's, like, 135 So I was like, oh, okay, but they're not open at all. They're usually done in, they're usually done in little garages and, and, like, industrial estates. That's where I did mine. Yeah. Well, the one that's down the road from me is in, um, like, the Oasis, like, with, like, the pub and i don't even know it's not a pub it's like a um, gym thing and they do it in like the car park there and then like you take it out onto the, like the road then and, and that's what they do so i always see them down there all the time anyway but um yeah they're not open yet but once they open then i can just do it and then that's, hopefully that's like, yeah there was a there was a i knew nothing at all so like when i did mine there was a lad on there that knew everything about bikes and he was like so knowledgeable and they asked questions about theory stuff and he was quick to the mark he was on it and i was like oh god like i'm gonna struggle when it comes to this but yeah then when they got him on a bike yeah. he couldn't do it he couldn't actually ride the bike properly so he, <laughs> oh and my then he god ended, they end up having to say like okay uh i think mine's a little bit more expensive because they said like if you don't pass the first day they'll like it includes like another day like on your own yeah so you have to go back and i have seen him since like out and about so he is on his bike now so he has passed but oh, uh, thank god that's, that's good yeah um so um how I usually like to start these conversations then is um, what's your earliest memory of wrestling? When can you uh, when can you remember falling in love with wrestling? And again, that could be a two part question, might be a one part question, but yeah, earliest memory um, of wrestling uh, or falling in love with it. Right. So I remember my first ever like first ever memory. I think I was literally like four years old, right? But I remember I was like in the caravan like, on, on a holiday with like my mum, and um, it was on the TV, and I think it was like um, the Undertaker versus um, Mick Foley. And, like, just, like, getting, like, thrown off the cage and whatever. And I didn't like it because I was, like, like thumbtacks and whatever. And I literally, like, hated it. And then that's just, like, a blur in my mind. And I remember that. But then um, when I used to go at my granddad's, um, he'd always put, like, superstars on on the TV on, like, Sundays and stuff, which would be on Sky One. And I literally would watch it and I'd be like, oh, turn this crap off. It's fake. I hate it. Turn it off. But um, and I never liked it at all. And then the more I started watching it, the more I was like, oh, it's all right. But never really like was amazed by it. And then I was on YouTube one day, and I came across um Jimmy Havoc versus Prince Devitt from Progress, and I literally watched it, and I was like, oh my god. And that I think for me that was when I fell in love with it because of like the character, the way like just like the presence that they brought in stuff. And I was just so hooked from there. And then I was like, I want to be a wrestler. So but, British, re- so British wrestling and British wrestling on the internet is actually what got you into wrestling. Yeah, literally, because like when I used to watch like WWE and like Superstars and stuff, I didn't like it, and I'd just be like, "Oh, it's all right." Like, but I didn't like it. But yeah, it was like Jimmy Havoc and Prince Devitt from a progress show that they done, and it was when like the championship was like that massive like spike thing and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I remember I was watching it, and I was like oh my god and I literally just loved it so much and then like I was like searching like Jimmy Havoc and like Prince Devitt and stuff on YouTube but yeah literally like British wrestling was the one that got me involved with wrestling so like when I was on shows then and I was on shows like Jimmy Havoc I was like hello how are you (laughs) trying not to like make out I used to stalk him and stuff (laughs) 
but that's like that's crazy because like, I don't think I knew that story. But like the the uh, the Natasha I know, like I remember you showing up to training in like a John Cena, you can't see me, t- yeah. stuff like that. So like, how does it how does it cross from you kind of like getting like sucked in by British wrestling, like this dark, moody, brooding Jimmy Havoc, to becoming the biggest John Cena fan that you have, like a you can't see me in C Nation t-shirts and stuff like that. How does that work? Well, to be fair, the, the T-shirt was cheap on the WWE shop and everyone was wearing okay. the training. So I was like, oh, well, you have to wear a wrestling top to training. Like, you have to. And everyone was wearing them. So I was like, I'll just get myself a John Cena top. And I think it was like two for a tenner or something. And I was like, that'll do. And then, um, but then I actually did like John Cena. I still, I still do like him. And then I did like four more in love with like the WWE wrestlers and stuff then. But yeah, I think because everyone was wearing t-shirts, I was like, well, I'm going to have to wear one now. I can't just rock up in my prime up two pound top. <laughs> so like from you discovering like British wrestling, how how did you then decide? Did you decide then after seeing that Jimmy Havoc match, right, I want to become a wrestler? Was that your, your thought process? Yeah. So um, obviously I'd watch, carry on watching it. And I was like, kind of just like a fan of it but then the more I watched it the more I was like do you know what like I actually want to be able to do this and like being in, like when I was in school and stuff I always wanted to be a performer like I'd always do performing arts drama like any of the school plays and stuff that would be on so I've always wanted to like perform in front of people and um the more I started watching wrestling the more I was like do you know what like I actually want to be a part of this and then like, I found like the dragon pro like training school round, and I was like oh hello how do you find that? Well, <clears throat> right. Long story. So I literally just typed in on Google tr- um, wrestling training schools in South Wales. And then the one came up for Welsh wrestling. And I think they were doing training like Port Talbot or something like that. And then I literally, the place where it said online where they were doing it, I'd ring them every Sunday and be like, hey, it's like the wrestling there today. And I think it was, this happened for literally like four months straight, right? And they were like, oh, no, they're not here today. It'd be next week. So I'd ring up every single month. I was emailing them. I was, like, trying to bring them. And no one would answer me. And then it got to the point where I was like, oh, like, are you joking? Like, come on. Like, there's surely got to be someone there. And then I came across, like, the Dragon Pro Facebook page on Google. So I was like, oh, I'll try this. It's in Newport. It's closer. And then um, I messaged the page. And I think Mike Bird was the one who answered the page and was like, yeah of course like you know you've got to be like 100% dedicated and blah 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 and I was like yes definitely and then like um he added me on Facebook and then gave me like all the details and stuff and he was like oh it's on Sunday I think it was at like 11am or something like that or like 10am and um but the the building (laughs) it had like a banner on the front and um so my nan drove me there so we could quickly know where it was and I remember my first ever like training session I (laughs) I literally got there like two hours before the training had to start and I just sat outside my I literally had no mobile phone and I was just sat there waiting and I was like yeah like surely you know like they'll come now they'll come now and then obviously like these like Mike and everyone came and I was like oh thank god I thought it was just going to be like someone who's going to kidnap me or something (laughs) (laughs) was this down in the the industrial state no this was on Stowe Hill the like Ah, um, okay Oh, what was it? It was like a learning centre or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was the, uh, it was the oh, I, can't even, I won't say Cotage, but it's not that. It's the, it was, I think it was just, uh, oh, I can't even remember. It's just a community place. like a community Yeah. Place. But, that's, um, not, that's not as bad, though. Can you imagine if you were going to do that and it was in the industrial estates? 
Oh my god, that, I know. Can you imagine it was down there? Because I probably, like, again, I, 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 I thought we were a little bit more rough and ready, but <clears> if I was you and I'd showed up and seen that, I would have been like, yeah, I'm not staying around you because this is definitely <laughs> screams somebody <laughs> beating me away from everywhere else they could I know literally yeah. when I was when I was stood outside there it was just like a building right and it it looked like a house like because the banners were literally on like railings away from the like the property so it literally looked like a house so I thought someone was gonna like kidnap me or something and like, I was like oh my god I was stood there and I said to my nan when she dropped me off I was like can you pick me up at 12 o'clock just in case please and she was like yeah yeah okay okay and then obviously when they did like come then, I was like, oh, thank God. And then everyone was like setting up the ring. And I literally just stood there, had no idea what I was doing. And I was just like this little timid girl in the corner with all these like big muscly men and like everyone else coming and knowing each other. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the worst. <laughs> Again, knowing like kind of like knowing that the one thing that got in my head, I like, imagine you being there, everyone setting the ring up, of course, you not knowing what to do. But it's that the the wrestling etiquette is everyone shows up and everyone then goes around and shakes everybody's hand yeah and it's such like to my, to me now of course i've been in the business now like 10 years so it's yeah. almost like ingrained in me when i meet somebody you shake their hand but yeah. it's a very outside of wrestling it's a very it, people don't do that really in real life like if you meet someone down the pub or meet someone's friends they don't shake your hand they just go oh, are you right so you yeah. must like this timmy how old did you say you were 15 15 all these people coming in and walking up to you and shaking your hands i know i literally was just like oh my god and then like i don't know they were obviously like a lot taller than me and like knew everyone and like knew what they were doing and i was like oh my god i think this is the worst idea i've ever done (laughs) how many how many girls were there um on my first training session there was none blooming heck yeah i was like the first like like the only girl there when I like went on my first training session, which was on a Sunday. But then when I went on the Tuesday, um, Shannon was there, and there was like another girl. But it, it was literally just like two of us. But that's like again, it's crazy now to look at the amount of girls that like while Bo he has enough to do female training sessions with just females. And again, you were yeah first crop the when he was just getting the females sessions on their own, which is a testament to it becoming more inclusive. But I was I was thought to myself like you would have had Steph. Uh, which would be Tegan Knox, everyone knows. Uh, you would have had her around, but she was a product of that Welsh wrestling school that you were trying yeah. to get a hold of. And she kind of already started breaking out and wasn't going to Dragon Pro sessions. The sessions she did very much, very, a lot of the time were the ones where, like, myself and Mark Andrews would be about and we'd end up renting uh, a hall or we'd end up renting the ring from Birdie for a couple hours or whatever and we'd do those individual sessions but yeah, yeah. it's crazy to think now how many girls are involved just in the Welsh wrestling scene I and know it would have been you and Shannon and Shannon at this point would have been well off uh, doing her first matches as well she would have been um, really new to it all yeah definitely it's nice to see how many girls are actually like involved with it now because when I first went I was just like there was just guys and I was like oh my god like what am I actually doing and obviously they they know everything like I feel like with with a guy when you're 15 years old and you walk into a room like the males have a stronger presence as well and you're literally stood there like uh hello what do I do now but it was just mental absolutely crazy can you remember that first session did you enjoy it yeah um (laughs) right oh my gosh so um Bird was like, I think they were doing like running the ropes and like bales outside the ring, right? So my first ever session, um, we done this like insane workout and I, it was absolutely crazy. But I managed to do it, and um, 
I mean, every workout for me is like insane anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> I managed to do it, and I was like so sore. But I remember when I went home and I like slept. I remember just dreaming about Morrison's, but being really sore. Like it was really weird. But my first ever training session, like we'd done all the workouts, and he was trying to teach me how to like pull myself over the ropes. And I had no idea. And I remember Big Grizz came in and was just like, just do it. And I was like, I'm scared. And I was like, I didn't, I mean, you don't realise how like scary it actually is. So my first ever training session was trying to bail out the ropes. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, how the hell am I going to do this? I mean, I managed to do it and it was like a crash mat and stuff. But then I had to go over like the top rope and stuff. And I literally was like, I can't do that. Honestly, like I can't. Like I was so scared. It was insane. It's It's such a... It's such a, a weird thing because again, I can't I can't really sim I can't sympathize. It's it's a weird one because when I st- the time I started getting involved with re- actual wrestling, professional wrestling, I'd probably been backyarding for about three years. Yeah, kind of already started teaching ourselves how to do stuff, and we I I I'm not even I'm not naturally athletic. Like Brendan and Hitch will tell you that I'm not naturally athletic, but I'm taught athletic. So like Mark yeah, Andrews yeah. is naturally athletic. Um. So everything I've everything I can do, it's all been from trial and error. But mm. by the time we got to these training sessions, like I remember being up in my attic with wild boar and stuff like that, and we'd been kind of weight training and trying to put size on and all this other stuff. <laughs> so we'd we'd showed up to these training sessions, expecting yeah. them to be super hard, and we needed to like kind of be fit and healthy. So when we got there, they, of course they were difficult, but they weren't completely and utterly out of the realm of our capabilities. Whereas <laughs> so many people, and you, the side of things, you included, fall in love with wrestling and then completely forget that it's a physical. Yeah, it's like, insane. So many people forget about that. But and one of the things while you're talking about getting in and out the ring, um, that's something that now I, I didn't really realize. I think I might have actually been maybe five or six matches in before somebody taught me how to go over the top rope or even be uh, like, you know, shit canned out the ring. Like I was, I was a couple matches in before I was really shown how to do that. And I remember like, uh, uh, Bo doing a seminar with, uh, with Finn Balor Fergal and him saying, everyone should be able to get in and out the ring because this is your office. And he was like, imagine if you went to the office and no, you didn't know how to use a door. That's how he explained it. You could get into the office. And it's such yeah. a great way to imagine it. So I think it's a, it, it it is some scary because it is a very scary thing to do. But being kind of taught how to get in and out the ring on your first session is something I believe should be should be taught. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it was pro- proper scary because obviously when you watch it on like TV or like YouTube or like if you're watching it as a fan, you don't realize how physical it actually is. Like, like for me, I- that was like oh. I guess as well, it's a bit like you watch somebody run 100 metres. We all know how hard it is to run. Yeah. But it's just mad. Absolutely mad. Um, can you remember how long you were training then before you uh, before you had your first match? Uh, it was two years. But um, the first three months of training, um, I snapped my ankle. So um, I was out for like two, three months, I think it was, where I couldn't go wrestling training. And then um, when I was actually... Did you break your ankle in wrestling? Yeah, so um, I was running the ropes in training and we we had to take like a back elbow and bump. And Bird kept on saying, I wasn't picking my feet up, right? Because I just didn't like bumping. 
front bumps I was okay with but back bumps I couldn't do like I hated them I think it's because I couldn't see what I was doing but um so we had to run the ropes take a back elbow and bump and I was like okay and then bid would go again and I literally bumped like maybe like six seven times straight and I literally didn't get and on the last one I didn't pick up my foot and I fell back on it and I snapped my ankle and I remember it just snapping and hearing it it was literally like a glow stick just like I literally was like oh my god and then Bird was like you okay and I was like no I think I broke my ankle and um yeah like I had to like I was out for like two two three months because I snapped my ankle moment like I can't like I think at this point what year would this be uh 2014 yeah, so I would have moved, I would have been living out of I was already out well out of uh, Wales by then by the time yeah. that was going on. So we, of course we'd met and I'd met you met you when you first started, but I would have been like in and out fleeting or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't remember you breaking your ankle and like given the one of the reasons what we'll get into, but given the reasons why we're chatting today, <laughs> I feel like from from the start to ask, this was not this was you did not have a good start. And I feel No, like, I didn't. <laughs> oh dear, like what did what, so like your your nan? What did she? What did your nan think about you training in general? Well, she didn't mind. Um, I didn't really have any hobbies anyway. And um, when my nan would work, I'd look after my little brother. So I'd get pocket money. So she'd say, "You look when I work, you you babysit him and whatnot." And obviously, then your pocket money will go for your like wrestling training sessions. And I was like, brilliant. And then, um, so she didn't mind me wrestling, but then when I snapped my ankle, she was like, oh, for God's sake, and all this. And then we had to go to, like, hospital, and, um, yeah, like, it was it was bad. But then she didn't, I mean, she's always been really supportive anyway, but then I, um, <laughs> when I snapped my ankle and stuff, she was like, oh, my God, what are you doing? But um, I know a lot of the people didn't think I'd be back because, um, obviously, like, I snapped my ankle, and I literally was training for, like, two months or something like that not even that but um yeah and then I snapped my ankle and so when you broke your ankle did you stop going to training then or were you still showing up sessions and watching them when you were when you were in the cat no I I stopped going to the training sessions I didn't know that you could like sit and watch um but no I, I literally just like stayed at home I mean I was still like watching it and stuff and like speaking to like Mike and like um Ben and stuff but um no I literally just like stayed at home so when I did come back they were like oh my god you're back and I was like yes I'm back <laughs> so you had those so you were out for those so you had two years you had two months in and then you had a war probably like two months out then because you'd snapped your ankle was it yeah. very much like when you came back to wrestling training then almost having to relearn everything again because of that fear of hurting yourself yeah it kind of was I mean I remember um Morgan Izzard was I think that's how you say his last name he was at the training session when I came back and then we had to like um he was like on his hands and knees and someone had to push me over him to physically bump on the crash mat because I just wouldn't bump because I was so scared of hurting myself again and I was like I, I can't I can't and he was like just do it and they literally would like pushing me over and then like I managed to like being able to bump on my own then but then in the training sessions, anyone who didn't pick up their feet, we'd be like, pick up your feet or you don't want to end up like Tasha with a snapped ankle and all. But, um, it's such, yeah. It's such a, it's such a, 
a mental thing as well. Like you said, like you didn't like back bumping already, but then like when you then break your ankle, you're now being told yourself, okay, this is the reason I don't like back bumping. And unfortunately, like 90% of the bumps we do are back bumps. I know. I proper had to get over it as well and just be like, right, just do it. And then when I was able to like get over it and then I was bumping, I was fine. And I was like, oh, okay, like it's nothing. But um, I just didn't like how it felt. Like I was always winded and I hated it. And I'd be like, oh, for God's sake. And they'd be like, right, bumps again. And I was like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> so how long was it then? Um, you said, what was it? Two years before you had your first match? Yeah. Um, where, was, where was that? Was that Rodney Parade? Yeah, it was in Rodney Parade. So I remember it was um, one of the other girls who like started to come train. It was her debut. And um, I remember Nick from Chaos was like, come up to Mike and was like, you need to get Tasha on shows. Like, she's show ready. You have to go on shows. And then he, Mike came up to me and was like, you know, like, get some like wrestling gear and then like, you'll be on the next show. And I think it took me like, obviously for the gear to like be made and stuff took like two months or whatever so I think my gear came like um like a week before my actual like um debut um yeah I was in Rodney Parade and I've never been so scared in all my life to like perform in front of anyone not even that though it was like um even though like I wear like a singlet and stuff but I was scared for other people to see me because like when I was in wrestling training I tuck my top into my leggings so no one like seen any of my skin and whatnot. So then when he was leading up to my debut, I literally was so paranoid about my weight. I was so paranoid of what people would think of me, like, you know, in this tight little singlet with like my thighs showing and stuff. So I had to like mentally, like I was like literally like dieting and like in my head, I was trying to eat so healthy and it was the same with like being physical as well. So when it was up to my debut, I think I, do you know what? I think I literally lost like a stone and a half trying to like be fit for my debut. And then um, I was so nervous of people just seeing me like that because I was always like body, like um, not confident and stuff. But um, yeah, so I had to like worry about being scared to perform in front of these people who've never seen me before. And then also be scared for people who know me to like just see my body. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course it does. It absolutely does. And, and and now you're saying it, I just think to myself that like I remember not seeing you for a while, and then I saw you, I think, at the Rodney Parade show, and I did think I said to you, "When you look, like you've lost loads of weight," and yeah. what you said because you were slamming yourself. But to to now think about how confident you are with your body now, yeah, just shows how much like you've kind of hopefully it is because of wrestling that's kind of like empowered. Yeah. You feel like you can kind of be confident in your own skin. Yeah, it's definitely with wrestling. Because um, obviously you just get to the point then, not that you don't care, but you have some... We're the people, like the fans and like you know, people backstage are supporting you. And like you kind of have that like, kind of like chip on your shoulder that you're like, okay, like... It's just, it's, it is like a, a bit, it does build your confidence, and especially with wrestling. Like it definitely has built my confidence like a lot. Like I would never like ever like show any of my skin before like especially in training like I always used to like tap my tops in but then through the years then and, and like where I go like wrestling and stuff like I didn't care if like my belly hang out when I'd done like a flip bump or whatever and when I used to go wrestling training I was so scared of like not wearing any makeup and obviously you sweat and stuff so like I hated wearing the makeup and sweating but I was so scared of people seeing me with no makeup on 
so um i like literally put like a full face of makeup on and stuff and then through the years then i literally was like oh i don't care like whatever like i don't care like you get what i mean no totally again again it's good that that's kind of like it's give you the confidence of okay this is me i don't care what people think this is who i am i'm going to be confident in that yeah definitely um who was the first match against um it was against seal fontaine um she doesn't wrestle anymore actually um but yeah i'm (laughs) the week before i think i think yeah about a week before my actual debut we would practice the match in the unit where we had moved to so we practiced and in the match we had to plan a suicide dive so mike was like right um do your match and all this like make sure it's like perfect for your debut you know you don't want to be like rusty or whatever and obviously i think he was worried that we'd forget stuff um so we were practicing and (laughs) i'd done a suicide dive in like you know in training and she didn't catch me and I fell on the floor and I couldn't move. <laughs> and I think, to be honest, that's where I had my back problems from. And I, Steve, who was like the um, like the massage guy, um, was there and he literally had to put like cream on my back. Like, you know, he had to like, my muscles and everything just like seized up and I couldn't move. And I literally was like led on the floor, like crying. And I was like, my debut is literally in a week and I literally can't even get off the floor because she didn't catch me from the suicide dive. I like I can I can think now about are you talking about her and I and it's just again it it kind of highlights to me how far um the Welsh wrestling scene has come and how much Dragon Pro has come along because like you I remember like watching you and thinking you definitely were ready you'd been two years in but I think that she'd been training she'd been uh training for less than a year yeah and I remember thinking that she wasn't ready and I and now even if I look. I look at her now. Uh, even after she had a few matches in, um, I still don't wouldn't put her to the standard of some of the girls that, like while Bo is teaching, that he again still won't let do shows because they're not to the standard he wants them to be. Yeah. So it's like, again, it's it's so it's so telling how fast this has come on and how much Dragon Pro's like standards have gone up because yeah, again, Bo holds everyone to such high standards. Um, yeah. Were you okay? Were you, were you all okay then? By the time you had your debut match, was your back all good? Yeah, it was all right. Like, I literally had um, loads of stretches to do and stuff. And I went to see my um, uh, sports therapist and she sorted me all out. Like, it was all my hamstrings and stuff. Because, obviously, it's all connected to, like, everywhere. Like, muscles are connected everywhere. And um, so, yeah, she, like, gave me a sports massage and, like, gave me more exercises to do and stuff. So I was literally constantly doing them leading up to, like, my debut and stuff. Because I was like, I, obviously, for your debut, you want to be, like, amazing. You want to, like stand out you want to like I mean it's your first match you want to be like so good and um but yeah like after like I had a, my sports um massage and like all my exercises I was all right then thank god um what was your was your first gear the blue set of gear yeah the blue one with the white ribbon and the like little flowers um stuck on I remember I do remember um you having especially from the start I remember you having such a a good prominence like like it was your first time and it takes a lot of people to kind of find their look or even when it yeah. comes to the entrance kind of finding like an entrance that makes them look like a wrestler and I remember that that Ronnie Parade thinking like oh you've you figured this out like you've got an entrance and you look like you look like a star and stuff like that and I was like so where do you think that confidence came from of kind of being able to do your entrance and knowing how to do it and and kind of um... pushing yourself in that persona I can't actually remember. I I remember we were in training, 
and Ben, you know, like Ben has all these ideas of like um for like different characters for everyone. So we were kind of, I mean, I can't remember what my character was actually supposed to be, literally. And then I remember we were like at the training and he was like, look what I just found. So me and Hitch went over and it was like um the, my cape that I had. And he, and then Hitch went, order that now. And I was like, okay, okay, well. And then, um yeah, so I think it was kind of just like, I don't even know. I think it was just putting like something together to do for now. And then later on I can like change it and make it like better but then obviously the cake just stuck <laughs> how uh how long was it because again some people have matches and they're like kind of like I spoke to people about okay breaking out of Wales like me and Bo will say that we were all nearly wrestling a year before we even got a booking outside of Wales but then some people have a booking outside a uh, booking outside of Wales come along very quickly yeah. uh, how long was it until you kind of were getting offered matches outside of wales and outside of dragon pro uh literally like two weeks after like um not even that so danny um mess he was wrestling for a promotion called prize and um so he was getting his bookings done there and obviously the promoter there said to hitch um you know like we need a girl for a match against kaylee ray um can you suggest anyone and um Hitch was like we had a it was like that's when we had like our women's training session it was literally like me uh Kat Von Cage um Catherine and Joanne I think it was literally just like four of us and um we were like just doing some like chain wrestling and stuff and then Hitch put me forward for it and then yeah literally it was like that was like my first like outside of Dragon Pro match was against Kaylee Ray which was like my third match I remember you having that match. I didn't know it was your third one. That's mental. Yeah, my third wrestling match. Because my second one was um, the carnival that they done. Um, like, the Newport, they done, like, a carnival, didn't they? And then it was wrestling. And it was against... It was me against um, Shay. And that was my second match. And then, yeah, my third match was against Kaylee Ray. I remember you having that match with Kaylee. And I remember you being quite new. And I remember, again, Kaylee being one of the best uh, yeah. wrestlers that this country's ever produced, even back then. And I remember her being quite that like, complimentary to to Bo and saying, like, like, she's great. Like she's gonna be she's gonna be great. This is her third match. She followed instruction really well. So how was it like kind of you would have known like you would have known at this point because you would have been a British wrestling fan, you would have known how big a deal Katie Ray was. Oh, it was. Do you know what I watched her in um oh what did I watch? I think was it the impact um show that they done i'm pretty sure kelly ray was in there i think and it was like um dave mastiff and like mark andrews and like that impact um show boot that they done yeah that boot camp so i watched doing that and i she was like so when i had this match i was literally like oh my god i was like i can't believe this so i was so nervous when i met her and i was like such a huge fan of it and i was like hello how are you and all this and but she was lovely and i was like i just couldn't believe it being this like fan and like of watching her as well and i was like wrestling her on my third ever match it was crazy did that kind of like the fire on you then kind of wrestling like having your first like you know first big booking outside of wales and it being against such a prominent figure would you like right i'm gonna do this now i'm gonna i want to take as many bookings as possible i want to conquer it all i want to go do it all yeah definitely i was like right i got this let's go 
and um and then I had like regular bookings sent with like the prize promotions obviously like Dragon Pro and it was just nice as well to have the feeling you know like people are booking me and like I'm able to like perform in front of everyone like it was really nice actually um how long was it till you were wrestling at Chaos because again uh, I want to speak a bit about that because I even had to I had to message Dave Mercy and be like hey um I was like Sierra she was she was the first main in the Chaos right and he was like nope and I was like Ooh. I went you've <laughs> I was like, she's had it though, right? And he was like, nope. And I was like, are you, are you, are you kidding? He was like, no. He was like, unfortunately, it never worked out. He said it was like Ginny, and he said there was other bits and pieces we were going to do, but it never, it never worked out. And I just remember thinking that you really were one of the most, like maybe the, I, I think I tweeted it out the other day. Like a lot of people consider you that the first maiden of chaos because before yeah. like Ginny came in, you were the first, uh, you know, prominent female that they used to have female matches, and the crowd kind of rallied behind. Yeah. yeah. And, I think it. Yeah, go on. I I think it was like a year before I actually got booked by them. I think, yeah. So when I made my debut, it was uh, a, I think it was literally like eight months to a year before they actually booked me. But again, I think I think that worked in your favor because I feel that like maybe one or two like female competitors came in, but you'd had these matches with Kaylee Ray, you'd added two years worth of training behind you. I think you came in to some uh, still quality a fresh face and you seem to come in and kind of hit the ground running and you had full fan support behind you yeah definitely I, I mean I definitely felt that the time was right for when they used me because obviously my third match was against Kaylee Ray like my fifth match was it at Rev Pro against Zoe Lucas in front of like Marty Skull and stuff that, wait a second two seconds let, let me cut it <laughs> off right that's like that that in itself is absolutely mental because <laughs> like I'm gonna put it right so I I was before I got a, a match at Rev Pro. I'm going to let you know how long it took me. Right, let me work this out. Um, uh, I was wrestling for nearly six years before I got a shot at Rev Pro. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> six years. Well, I was wrestling for like two months. <laughs> That's so crazy. Again, is it? Do you reckon it was again down to the fact that like there'd been a crop of girls that came in that were great, and the girls that either kind of you know started doing those tours of stardom, and there was gaps for for young new fresh faces to come in and kind of start making waves. Um, I think so, but I remember right. So, um, we all went out the night before, and like I think it was like a sh- I, I think it was like a show or whatever, but we all went out like. Hitch, Danny, Brendan, like Bird, like we just all went out like to like the club or whatever, just got so drunk. But then I <laughs> my phone, I was trying to sleep off this hangover, right? And I was just, you know, my phone kept ringing and then I when I woke up, it was at like nine o'clock. I had loads of messages off Hitch and he was like, I'm coming to get you in fifteen minutes, please be ready. And I was like, What? <laughs> and I hadn't showered hadn't like you know like washed my hair so I was like what do you mean and he was like get your wrestling gear we're going to rev pro and I was like oh my god so I quickly I had to like jump in the shower like quickly get ready and then I was like so hungover as well and I remember just like looking at them and it was the first time I met Roberts actually as well was in the car we had like McDonald's breakfast and then I think they needed like a space so they were literally just like right who have you got and then like they were like Tasha, like, come on, we'll just use it quickly. Go, go, go. But, yeah. I, I love how so many of these opportunities, like for yourself, like Kit versus Katie Ray, is like, we need a girl. 
And yeah. then like you get in Web Pro is like, okay, someone's dropped out. We need we need somebody. And again, I guess it comes down to that that ground of the right people knowing the right people, but also kind of like also you train for it. So they're like he was confident in the fact like, okay, I'll put I'll put uh I'll put Tasha name forwards. Yeah. yeah. And then how so how did that match go with Zoe Lucas? Um it was alright actually. It wasn't too bad. Obviously we were both like really new at the time and stuff. But um <clears throat> yeah, it was alright. Like I, I forgot like a few things. I think I punched her in the face on accident. Um <laughs> but yeah, it was alright. Like it was good. I was really nerve wracking as well because obviously like Andy was there and then like Marty Skull was there and stuff and like Roberts was obviously ref in the match and it was the first time Roberts had seen me wrestle. But um no, it was actually like really, really good considering it was like my fifth match. I mean, it's probably, like, terrible now looking back at it, but it was all but, right at the time. But also, as well, like, you being someone who got into wrestling because of British wrestling, yeah. something like Artie Skrull to you, and again, Roberts would have been the, the only referee probably at this time that you would have seen yeah. progress. So you would have been surrounded by all these people that you would have looked up to and kind of wanted to imitate when you started, and now you're, you're what, five months in, and you're, you're being thrust onto arguably one of the biggest promotions in the country. Yeah, definitely. definitely. It's probably weird as well, because when you're there, I'm like, oh, my God, like, and you kind of feel like you've made it because all these people that you used to watch are on the same shows as you and you're like, hey, <laughs> it's just mad. Did did you end up getting repeat bookings from RevPro or was it uh, one and done? Um, I think it was a. I think it was a one and done and then until until like uh two years later i think yeah did yeah. you get feedback off andy or was it or was it just like a oh thanks good job we'll be in contact and then there was nothing yeah it was kind of like one of them but um apparently he like said to hitch that i was really good and stuff and like a few more like months in training and stuff then like you know but when i get a bit more experience and stuff like i'll be all right but um i mean he seemed impressed to what i had done and then yeah, I mean, it wasn't too bad. And I was quite happy. I was happy with myself as well. Because obviously RevPro is like one of the biggest promotions in like the UK as well. And all of these like main faces are on there, like Ryan Smile but at the time was on there and stuff like that. And I was like, this is actually crazy. Were you like, so from after that then kind of being told, did that just heart on you a little bit? Like you had RevPro and they didn't want you back? Or was it again, just one of those things like Kaylee Ray, which kind of lit a fire under you and you went, right, I'm going to continue to keep pushing through and try to get more and more work. Yeah, like, I didn't mind that they hadn't used me again because, obviously, I was so new anyway and I just wanted to get as much training, as much experience as I can to, like, when I am on these big shows that I can prove that, you know, like, I am, like, the best female wrestler in the country, you know? Even though I was only, like, a few months in, you still have a goal of being the best in, like, the country. So when he like didn't use me again for a bit I, I didn't mind I mean I, I had it it was another promotion kind of like cross off the list that like I could put on like my CV that I've wrestled for you know um so what did that next like year or two what did that kind of consist of where were you wrestling uh regularly what were what were some of the goals that you set yourself um well I went I wrestled for WXW in Germany well, how long, um, how long? How long after that? For you, how long after that did you wrestle WXW? A year. So it was a year in. You get an national booking. Yeah. So they had like a, um, they had a female tryout, and um, everyone was like, "You should go for it." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, like I'll go." Like, um, so I went to Germany, 
and um, done the female tryout that they who, had who held. Did you, who did you go to Germany with? <clears throat> Tasha Benson. She came with me, one of the girls at train. Um, she, like, set all the flights up and stuff. And, I mean, I'm literally, like, 18. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but, yeah, so we went to Germany in Frankfurt. And then the girls that were there was like um, oh, Jade Wrestler. Um, there was like a few German girls there. Um, who else was there? There was like um, oh Tennessee Honey Liv. She was there. Um, Melanie Gray was there, and there was a few more girls, but I can't remember who they were. Um, yeah, so we we done like the tryout there. So we um and it was mad, right? It was in front of Walter, right, as well. And I was like, oh my god! And then the other guys who run the promotion, and um, so we set up the ring, done everything, and they were like, right, you have like half hour to get ready, put a match together, and then we'll meet you downstairs. And then they put us like working with each other, and um, I wrestled Jade, and um, <laughs> it was mad, right, because. I had watched some of their matches, and I when they put me with Jade, I was like, oh, I really don't want to be with Jade. But I was like, okay, like, I'll be with her. But it was actually a really good match, and obviously, like, Jade's one of my closest friends now and stuff. But, um, yeah, like, we wrestled each other, and then we had to do um, promos. And obviously, you know I hate talking, right? So, <laughs> literally. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, my God, trying to get you to do promos <laughs> is probably oh. one of the hardest things I've ever had to do as a trainer. <laughs> For a girl, can I just say, for a girl that we can't stop talking, when we need you to talk, you won't. <laughs> That's the most. I know, <laughs> literally. And I was there, and then everyone was coming. I think I was the last person up, right? And I literally stood in front of them, and I was like, "Uh," and I literally just couldn't talk. I mean, you know, I hate doing promos, right? And I hate talking in front of people. And I literally was like, "Uh." I'm the freaking princess <laughs> and just so stupid like that. And I hated it, right? I didn't make any sense whatsoever. I mean, I never do one or two promos. And I, I mean, um, they obviously told us what we had to do when we were at the tryout, but I had wrote my promo down in my notepad, but I thought we'd have chance to like quickly like um go over it and stuff and like do it there. But um I was so nervous that I literally couldn't even think about what I had wrote in my notebook and like the promo that I had written. Um, so that was like the worst. And then we had to wait, um, like all the trainers and stuff. Like we all went to food and whatnot. And then we had to like, they all discussed and they were going to pick one of us to be on this show. And this was like so nerve wracking because they called every person one by one for like feedback and like, you know, and I was the last person they called out like, and all the girls came back and they were like, oh, he just said, you know, do this, do that. And then they called me out and I was sat there and I was like, hello. And then, like, Walter was like, I've never seen a girl make, see, make wrestling seem legit. Like, it actually looked like you were hurting those girls when you were going in and stuff. And I was like, it probably was. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, there's a, there's, a, like a, there's a cube behind you of girls with their arms in slings and busted <laughs> lips. And they're just like, yep, she's really good at work <laughs> And um, he was like, I've never seen, like, like a female wrestler, like, make it look legit, like you're actually hurting them. And that's what we like. And especially in Germany, you know, he was saying, um, like, we like, with wrestling, with wrestling fans, you you want them to think it's real. And, like, you you have to get their attention. 
and then they were like like happy with how long I'd been wrestling and like um whatnot and they were like do you want to be on our show tonight and I was like absolutely so I wrestled Melanie Gray and obviously at the time that I hadn't really been working that long um I only had worked face like baby face and they wanted me to work heel and I literally was like, I, I can't. Like, I, and they said, okay, we'll do a face face match. But then one of the guys there was like, no, like, you're the heel. And, um, that was really hard because when I went out, all of the fans were like chanting for me and going, where is Olaf? And I was like, oh my God. And they didn't like Melanie Gray anyway. So they were cheering for me. And every time I hit her, they were like, yeah, go on, like Frozen and all this. They were going. And I was like, oh my God, like, they actually changed for me but then um I can't remember his name now but one of the promoters there he he didn't like what I had done and like kicked off apparently and I was like oh my god but um yeah like I mean they seemed to like the fans liked it and stuff but one of the promoters I can't remember his name like Chris Kristen Christian or something like that he wasn't happy with what I had done because the fans were on my side and not Melanie's side so then obviously taking back from that was like, how do you, know, make fans like dislike you when they like you and stuff. And it was a lot to like learn. It was a good learning experience and stuff, but it was a lot to take back from it as well. I feel like um, I'm really trying to run my brain. I can't really remember any prominent times where you have been a heel. You've kind of been a baby face nearly your entire career. Yeah. And that's what that I mean, especially being like so new to the business as well and being like a year in wrestling for wxw like the biggest promotion in germany and then being told like i had to work heel and i was like and even in training i hadn't i'd been the aggressor in training but not never a heel and i'm not a nasty person anyway so to try and be a heel i was like i literally can't do it and then it was just really hard to like try and do it as well and in that it was just crazy i think i said to somebody the other day it's i do i do feel sorry for this generation in a way because although uh I, again i started wrestling on mats and a lot of my first couple of years we didn't have a ring and of course you said he walked in and there was a ring there straight away yeah like, again that's all good and you had training <clears throat> from from uh bird and then of course you had training from mark and hitch and all these people now who have a wealth of knowledge stuff that again we didn't have yeah which is great but you or, or the flip side why i feel sorry for you guys is the fact that five matches in you're on WXW, which now has an internet fan base and is being broadcasted all over the world. It's yeah, like you're a year in, sorry. It's like it's a it's a lot of pressure. It was I fortunate really that I was did loads of backyard in and then did uh, a hell of a lot of indies where the only stuff being recorded was the stuff that we recorded ourselves and nobody was really seeing it. Or if they did see it, we made it into a pretty little music video, so it seemed like really good. But yeah. again, you've really got to be ready for it, and it's it's again must be really dawned into a international booking a year in but also international booking when you've never been healed you've been asked to do it and knowing that it's they've got a big internet fan base as well yeah it was really scary as well and then obviously when you're backstage and they're all shouting in German and everyone's crying you're like stood there like was it good <laughs> I imagine they're all like really angry like shouting German words and you're just shouting back at them was it good <laughs> Literally, they were all like, and they, the guy was like shouting at Melanie, like in German, and was like, and like she started crying, and I was stood there, was like, put my thumbs up, like, good match. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That's, oh, somebody needs to turn that into some sort of 
honestly it was like it was um just like yeah it was like oh my god but then um <laughs> when we were there like the ref who refed our match was like new as well and like one of the guys i mean i don't think he wrestles anymore um but one of the guys there um he he came up to us and was like i think he was like quite close to melanie but um yeah the ref was like oh um how 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 was i was i okay and he was like oh i wasn't looking at you to be honest i was more interested in looking at the girls and their big tits and i was like oh, <laughs> excuse me i was like and for me that was like I can't believe you actually just said that like especially being 18 in a foreign country as well and then some guy who's a wrestler which he, he doesn't wrestle anymore I don't think just says stuff like that you're like whoa hang on a second like that was like n- probably the worst experience even though everyone was shouting it in German and hated the match that was like fine but coming back from it and like having an experience like that for me was like the worst it's again. I've never, I've never heard that story. I'm, I'm glad that you said that you don't think he's wrestling anymore. It's, it's again. You're on your own. You're in a country you don't understand. You're 18 years old. But also as well, you hear so many horror stories about um, wrestlers, not just female wrestlers, but wrestlers in general getting involved in bad cliques and bad environments. Yeah. And I, I do like to think that, especially like a slot done in Wales, we pride ourselves on equality. Um, again, we've got those classes where it's just female classes, yeah. Um, or anyone who identifies as a female, and stuff like that. We're very, we're very open down in Dragon Pro in the sense of uh, gender equality. Um, doesn't matter how you identify any of that stuff. So again, it's 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 bad anyway that that exists. And yeah. Even worse when you've been <clears throat> to a scene where you don't know that exists because you've been sheltered almost. Yeah. So that's why it need it's why it needs to be eradicated and thankfully it's becoming less and less that this is happening. Yeah, but definitely. I mean, happen. I don't think he wrestles I mean, I'm pretty sure he doesn't wrestle anymore anyway. But it was such a shock from that. And then it makes you when people say that, it kinda makes you have a thick skin on so you can be like you can have like a voice to be like, hang on a second, don't you dare say that. Like, you know, it's kinda like you have a bit of a backbone then so you can stand up for yourself. But you being 18, of course, and uh, it's such a overwhelming... Like, you're 18, you've just messed up your match. Again, yeah. you don't want to rock the boat, do you? It's kind of it's such a hard decision to be in. Yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, they hated the match anyway, and I was like, how is it? Was it good? <laughs> oh, bloody hell. How, how long after that did you... Uh, was it till you did the Progress uh, Women's Tournament? Um... Uh, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. Six months. Again, I feel like how how long how long did you wrestle? What when when did you debut? Did you say? I debuted on uh, May twenty ninth, two thousand sixteen. Four years. So yeah. again, I remember you getting that. I remember you getting that tournament. I remember kind of what again. I didn't know the results. I didn't know who was winning or whatever. But I knew that um, it was you versus Millie, right? Yeah, it was me versus Millie. And you'd wrestled her before, like you had the match at attack as well, I do believe. Mm, no, we hadn't had the attack match yet. You had matches at Iron Fist, apologies. Yes, Iron Fist. Yeah. So we knew that you had a bit of chemistry and stuff like that. So I, I remember being really excited when I knew that it was you guys in the tournament because you were able to kind of get in there on a, a really daunting time where progress is really starting to kind of 
break out big at this point and you were able to go in there and have one of your matches uh, with somebody that you knew as well. How, how, how was that experience? It was, it was, it was, I really enjoyed it actually. I remember, I remember when I had the email, I was like half asleep and didn't really pay much attention. And then when I actually fully woke up, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. But then the day of the um, actually traveling down was a nightmare because all of the trains were canceled and like my train was canceled and stuff so I had messaged John and I was like my train is canceled like what shall I do and I had to be there for like a certain time and he was like well catch this train and then um if they say anything and you have to pay for a ticket just let me know and like I'll pay it back and I was like okay but the, the, they were really nice on the train anyway um and then it was really nice like going down and like I was a bit worried about London because I think I remember I was speaking to you about it and I had no idea about London whatsoever and um and then Liv, Dahlia Black, met me at, like, Paddington Station and was, like, showing me around. Because I was, I mean, London is such a big place to run. I was so busy. I had no idea what I was doing. So, like, Liv um, was there and she, like, took me to, like, Progress and stuff like that. And it was so nice to see all of the girls there and stuff as well. And it was just a, re- it was a really nice experience, actually, as well. I really enjoyed it. And um, even the fans there, they were so lovely and, like, um, the feedback that we had as well was, like, great. And then... Um, what a lot of people said and they said that mine and Millie's match was like the best match of the night as well so I was like absolutely buzzing about that I remember that yeah I remember you kind of like going what do I do when I get to the underground and I remember yeah. I remember writing out this really detailed like okay you do this you walk here you go into this tube you go to that tube I said message me when you get there and if you get stuck uh, let me know. And then I remember knowing what time your train was getting in. I heard nothing for hours. And eventually I was like, did you get lost? Nothing. Did you get lost? <laughs> nothing. And eventually you just messaged back with, yeah, Liv met me. I didn't need any of the advice you gave me. <laughs> I, I was raging. I was like, are you kidding me? But then, you, again, I heard online that you had like the best match of the night. So I was uh, really happy then. Yeah, it was really nice. I was like, oh my gosh. I just couldn't believe it. And then... um Obviously, they brought me back then for the unboxing show, which was like amazing. Um, but yeah, that was just such a—it's just such a nice experience as well. When you—you, you, um, it makes you feel good when they want you back and like the fans are happy to see you again. At this point, yeah, especially with progress, would have had the uh, would have had the big spotlight shining on them at this point as well. So yeah, been under the under the pressures of trying to do well. Yeah, it was. Um... It was good. I really enjoyed it, actually. And I was glad that they had brought me back. Definitely. You got to do Ali Pali as well, right? Yeah, I got to do Ali Pali as well. I feel like, um, I feel like even though it's been, even though it's four years, like the, the space, which isn't, I know it's, it's over quicker than again, we'll get into it than you thought. You were, you managed to tick off so much stuff in those four years. I know. It's crazy. And obviously before I made my progress debut, I made my ICW debut against Kaylee Ray. Um, for the ICW Women's Championship, where obviously I broke my hand two minutes into the match, brilliant. And then, um, yeah, and then obviously being called back as well for like ICW, and then like Progress wanting you as well. And it was just, it was really overwhelming as well, actually, because you're like, oh my gosh, like you feel like you know, like you've finally done it, like you know. Do you feel like because again, I've spoke to other people about this. Um, as I said, I had to work nearly five or six years to get certain opportunities. And I know I spoke to other people as well, like Bo being, use Bo as the example. I had to work like five or six years before I got a sniff at like Rev Pro or Progress, whereas yeah. Bo, Bo nearly two years in got 
Um, he was in one of the IPW tournaments when IPW was still owned by Andy Quilden, so it's like Slash Rep or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember him like kind of like having that opportunity really early, and they didn't end up bringing him back. Uh, and it he kind of it hurt him a little bit for a while. Like he ended up doing like he ended up doing just Welsh wrestling for a little bit, and his steam kind of stopped a tiny bit. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel that like that was the case for you at all? Do you feel that like progress was in your in your head? Progress was the goal, wasn't it? Because progress yeah. is what what got you into wrestling is what you <clears> wanted. So you started. That's my goal. That's where I want to be. Once you yeah. achieve that, does does it kind of change your perception? Does it kind of like do you you would have been riding high? You'd been pushing through. I want these opportunities. I'm working harder. I'm training harder. I'm doing all this stuff. Does it? Once you achieve that, does it? Do you take your foot off the gas a little bit? Um, I mean, I did. I got quite lazy going to training and stuff. So, um, was that was that because you felt like in your head you kind of you'd achieved what you wanted to achieve, and now it's like okay, I can, I can, I can relax a little bit. Yeah, kind of. It was kind of just like oh, it's like you, I, I had done it, you know, and I was like, oh, you know, I, I don't need to train. <laughs> <laughs> and like obviously I did but it was kind of it got to the point where I was just like I was doing um I was working five days a week I was going to training I was doing shows on the weekend so I literally felt physically exhausted exhausted as well and felt like and then the days that I I wouldn't go training was kind of just like me to like rest a bit and it was kind of just like um but then it kind of like started slacking a bit then which for me was my downfall definitely because my body wasn't up to tip-top shape to be a professional wrestler. I feel that it's changed a little bit now. I feel like, especially when earlier on a little bit in Dragon Pro, it was more. It felt a little bit more like you train to get matches. And once yeah. you get matches, then, you know, training is as important. But I know that the way that it's instilled in them now is, like, you're, you train... Now it's instilled as, like, you train to get better as a wrestler. So, yeah. so like for example, uh, borders a thing down there now. Whereas once people get to a certain point in their in their career or whatever, where they they're getting regular work, he'll yeah. stop he'll stop charging them for training because he wants them to continue to train, but not feel like they're using the money that they've earned through wrestling to have to pay for wrestling. So I know like, yeah. a lot of them are told then that that's the case. Like hey, like Danny Luna now doesn't have to pay, or you know Brendan doesn't have to pay, and in return, of course they if you need somebody to jump in and help teach people, then they, they do yeah, that in yeah. turn. But I do think the mentality of it has changed a little bit. There's so many people who, once they kind of get regular work, they feel like, oh, I've done that part of my training. Now I don't need to. Yeah, it was it was kind of like that. I mean, at the time where, like, obviously I was doing all these, like, big shows as well. And, like, um, obviously I was working. And then, obviously, Dragon Pro had moved to Cardiff, which was, like, a bit further away from, like, where I would go, which was Newport and stuff. And then, um, yeah, just felt like, I don't know, I think mentally as well, I was in, like, a bad place and, like, um, just kind of just, like, just didn't get care about anything and was just, like, oh, I can't be bothered, like, you know, which I definitely regret and I wish, you know, I had gone to see someone to, like, help me with, like, my mental health a bit sooner and stuff instead of, like, um, just being lazy and, like, not giving a crap about anything and, you know, and, I mean, things probably would have been different as well like you know my body would have been like strong you know but because I wasn't wrestling my body kind of just was like oh, okay whatever 
do you, do you yeah. feel do you feel that maybe the kind of like taking your foot off the gas and I I don't want to use the word lazy but you use the word lazy kind of maybe not not treating yourself like an athlete do you think yeah. that maybe kind of made it's one of the reasons why you got injured yeah I think so I mean if you don't keep your body um you know in like if you don't make your body strong and you're not training your body to be strong for a certain thing obviously it's gonna it's not gonna be used to get used to it and stuff is it so it definitely I mean it's like when new people go training you know they get bruises from like the ropes and stuff because their body has never been through anything like that before so I felt like when I stopped going training and I stopped caring um I think that's when it was like my body was just like not getting used to doing the bumps and stuff I guess it's easy as well, especially with this this day and age of social media to to kind of have a match where maybe you said you're not caring as much and and then you're going you're coming out of a match where you know maybe you haven't put a hundred percent in, but you're still getting praise online. Yeah. And it's easy for you to convince yourself, well, well, okay, I'm getting by you, people are still thinking I'm great. Still people yeah. are getting and you again it's not saying it's right, it's just again it's something that adds more and more to the that fire i guess of oh I, i'm doing okay here i don't need to i don't need to train yeah i think um what kind of when made me lose my confidence a lot as well was obviously um which i looking back i know i definitely wasn't ready for it and stuff was the um progress um wembley was it wembley that they done the big one yeah so obviously like apparently all of us girls that were in the um, women's show were going to be on the um, Wembley show and stuff. And like, we had an email and it was like, are you available? And it was literally like 20 dates. And um, I was like, yes, like, you know, I'm available. And I was like, so happy about that. And then when I got an email saying, oh no, we don't need you anymore. Um, that's, I think that was when it kind of put me down a bit. And I was like, oh, do you know what? Like, what's the point? And I think that was when I started like, just not caring and stuff as well. Yeah, again, it's, again, you got you got the, something you wanted for, and then I guess on top of it, then to have it taken away, it's a bit like, well, what's the point? And then, as you said, you weren't in a good place mentally, and it all just kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a, like almost a, a toxic fire. Then, isn't it? Everything yeah. just ahead, and and one thing leads to another, and it's a domino effect that kind of ripples and breaks down. Yeah, literally, it's just like, oh, like you know, and then. It was just, yeah, it was definitely like a crap place to be in as well. And then, you know, like being hyped for something as well and then having it taken away from you was kind of just like brilliant. Like, what's the point? So let's, so let's, talk, let's talk about, let's talk about the injury then because there might be people that are listening to this that um, don't know the reason that we're doing this podcast and also might not know what the, uh, what the injury was or how it happened. So, um, this give me a full run through. Let's just talk about the day in itself and talk about <clears throat> what happened. Um, yeah. So obviously it was um, wrestling at like pro wrestling Eve, which I I loved wrestling for Eve. Like you know, like it was it's such a nice atmosphere to like be in, and you know, like Eve is like one of like the only like female promotions as well, which are in the UK. So for me to get booked on Eve was a massive deal. Um. So yeah, so I think this was like my fourth or fifth match at Eve or something like that, and um. It was June the 8th, which is literally coming up on, like, in a few days. And um, 
I remember I was really ill as well like I had like a massive like like I think I had the flu but it was going so I had a really bad chest you know like I couldn't really breathe I was really weak in myself as well and like had this like amazing match planned out and I was like loving life and then um yeah I just you know took took this move and I didn't flip myself over fully and obviously that's like what happens when you don't go training your body forgets how to bump and take moves properly and stuff and um landed on my shoulders and broke my back basically um what move was it um it was the one winged angel that I took and I mean I'd never taken it before ever but I kind of wanted to prove myself like you know because a lot of people had said to me you don't take big bumps like you know like wrestlers have to take big bumps and stuff or you never bump and all this so for this match for me it was like either make or break (laughs) literally because it was so it was such a good match as well like it was just great like really good and then um I wanted to take the one-winged angel because I wanted to prove to people that I do take big bumps and you know like I don't care what you say like I, I am a good wrestler like I am good so um, for me to take this bump was like a big thing. I've never taken it before. Was absolutely scared out of my mind. And then, um, yeah, I cl- I remember just closing my eyes and kind of just like flipping myself over and tucking my head. But um, I la- I literally came straight down on my shoulders and I didn't flip over enough. And then I landed on my shoulders and I remember just hearing my spine crack and pop. And I was led there like from the pin and I was so winded. And I remember just shouting out on my back. And then I kicked out and kind of rolled to the side and I was literally like shaking. And then um, the ref was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, like I, I literally am so winded. And I just thought I had just winded myself. And I was like, just give me a minute because I was like, I'll just like calm down now. And obviously you know how horrible it is when you're winded anyway. Um, so I literally was just like, it'll go in a minute, it'll go in a minute. And we had um, the match that we had was, it was going to be a time limit draw match. So we had 15 minutes or it was like 20 minutes or something like that. And I was looking at the clock and it was literally like six minutes left. And we had like, obviously the rest of the match left. And I was looking at it and I was like, oh my God. And then I, she was like, can you continue? And I was like, and then I started getting pins and needles down my, in my hands, down my legs. And I was like, no, like I can't, I was in so much pain. So they canceled the match. Well, um, yeah, like Rhea came in and was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, like, I've I've done something and then they cancelled like they cancelled the match and then um cause, I think because I was so calm about the whole situation no one suspected me to have broken my like a, a, your back especially like like any bone anyway hurts when you break it but especially your back because I was so calm about it no one I think people just thought I'd, I'd just bruise like a rib or something like that um because I didn't cry I literally was so calm about it all I was just like I can't really breathe and then um yeah so I tried to like sit up you know like rolled out trying to sit up and I couldn't get up so I literally collapsed back down and then um they had like this little stretcher so they put me on like the stretcher and pulled me out um I like um just went outside and waited for like the ambulance and stuff but um, the people that pulled me out on the stretcher, right, they were bloody wobbling me. <laughs> I was led there on this stretcher. And I was like, I'm, if I fall off, I can't help myself. So please keep me straight because I don't want to fall off this stretcher. 
and then they like carried me out and like um you know like waited for the ambulance and I said like you know like I want an ambulance like I'm not I'm not going in any car I want the ambulance and stuff so they put like a um like one of those like tin sheet blankets around me and I was just so calm about it all like you know was just talking like normal and everyone's like you okay and I was like yeah like I'm fine but then they they had like a um a first aider there there was no paramedic but there was a first aider and um the first aider even said like I think she's broken her lumbar and I was like no I haven't I'm fine <laughs> and then um yeah I was like in the ambulance and stuff I was on gas and air, which I absolutely loved it was amazing and then I started chatting at the paramedic and I was like oh my god <laughs> And literally, it was, like, the worst. But then the staff at the hospital were, like, so lovely and, like, um, was there. And then I had, like, a, um, a, like, a CT scan, MRI scan. And then they came back and, like, the doctors had rolled me to, like, the side. And I was still in, like, my wrestling gear as well. And they were, like, poking my back. And, like, but it was my lower back that hurt the most. Like, literally, like, it was so sore and so numb. But I was so confused because I had landed on my shoulders. And I kept saying, I landed on my shoulders. Like, my, but it's my lower back that hurts. And then um, they had rolled me and then they were poking. And, like, where I had broken it. And they were like, does it hurt but there? And I was like, no. And they were like, rolled me back. And they were like, well, you've broken your lumbar. And I was like, I remember literally just like, what? And then they were like, yeah, you've bro- broken your spine. And then um, literally just like cried my eyes out. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is actually happening. And they were like, um, we're either going to have to put you in a back brace or have surgery. But looking at the brick is probably going to be surgery. And that was like the most scariest thing ever. Like imagine having your like first ever surgery being on your spine and having screws put into your back like that was like horrific and um yeah like it was just crazy and then they had to like cut me out of my wrestling gear which I did not want at all I literally said to them I said can you take my wrestling gear off me but can you not cut it because I don't want it to be cut they were like we literally can't take it off like we're gonna have to cut it and I was like well I don't want it cut I was like this is like 300 pound I was like no and um, but I really need a wee anyway, so like they had to like <laughs> they had to like cut it off me, and then they put me on a bedpan, and I remember just pissing for whales literally, and it like overflowed off the bedpan onto the floor, and I was like, I'm so sorry, but I just really needed a wee, and they were like, No, it's fine, like you know, it it's gonna happen. And I honestly like I literally remember I just couldn't stop weeing like at all, and I think it was just like the shock of my body was just like, Oh my god, but um. Yeah, and then they obviously, like, put me in, like, a hospital gown and stuff and, like, took me upstairs to a bed at, like, six in the morning. And then I remember ringing my nan, because obviously this is in London, and, like, my nan's in Wales. And I remember just ringing her and it was just like, um, yeah, I've broken my back. And she was like, wow, like, how have you done that? And I was like, I don't know, but I've broken my back. And then she was like, <laughs> she said to me, that's all she could think about was like, oh, for fuck's sake, now I'm going to have to have, like a ramp for a wheelchair and all this she was going she was like I didn't want to add anything else for you to come back in a wheelchair and all but um thank god I'm not in a wheelchair but um well, I'm I'm gonna like you're talk like I'm just gonna call you cut off here because like you said this happened in London so we, we use the word lucky 
Um, this week was uh, a PC week. So myself, Danny Luna, uh, Wild Boar, Mark Andrews, we're all in London at this week. So yeah. we literally are like 20 minutes, 30 minute drive away from you, which again is a is a, a good thing, I guess, in the grand scheme of it. But I just want to talk about you kind of like, so the first day he just says, like, I think you've broke your lumbar. Yeah. I know you'd be, and I know you'd be in calm. And I know you said there was no, there was a first aid today, thankfully, but there was no paramedic. And of course, it's come to light with a lot of things now, especially with with WWE. That WWE are very much like if any, if you want to, if you want a WWE wrestler on your shows, you have to have a paramedic. Yeah. And of course, yeah. some shows then will be like, well, we can't afford a paramedic. But there was no WWE wrestlers on your show. But no. you are the proof that regardless of that regardless we need to have paramedics at every wrestling show because i remember speaking to uh one of the athletic trainers at the performance center after we'd gone to see you at the hospital and i yeah. explained I explained to them what gone on and I, and I don't know if i think i've had this conversation with you but i don't know if we've had this conversation since it all happened but i remember explaining it to him and uh saying what happened to you and then saying that that they'd i know you're in you were in good alpha, you felt that you were in good spirits and they moved you and they put you on that stretcher. But he was explaining to me that a lumbar break is one of the most dangerous breaks you can have in your spine. And he said that if somebody breaks their lumbar, they have to be boarded straight away and they're not allowed to be moved like at all. Yeah. And he explained to me that the reason for <clears> that being <throat> is that because the lumbar um, when broken is so close to the spinal cord, that if you mess up while moving somebody, you're paralyzed, and there's no way of undoing that. You are paralyzed. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. That's how that's how lucky you were. Not only were you lucky in the sense that you broke your lumbar and you didn't get paralyzed, but you're lucky then that they didn't have a paramedic. They decided then to move you when they weren't supposed to. And they didn't even put you onto a proper stretcher. They put you onto an old-fashioned stretcher, and yeah. which doesn't support you. And then you went and waited for the ambulance out the back. Like, the amount of times during that whole stretch, you could have become paralyzed. Like, or beyond the luckiest girl when it comes to this. And it's absolute proof that, that British wrestling has been unregulated for too long. Yeah, definitely. Well, independent in general, and some whether you whether you agree with it or not, like you're wrong. There needs to be par- there needs to be paramedics at every show, and you are you are the, you are the proof of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like obviously with wrestling and stuff, people don't realise how dangerous it actually is. And I mean, when I started doing shows, there was no paramedics anywhere, like at any show, not even a first aider. So it's I'm I'm glad that even I mean with the WWE wrestlers if they want to be booked on shows they had to have a paramedic there but I'm happy that where this has happened to me that going on in the future now and there is paramedics that shows if anything happens to any wrestler they have someone there to look after them I think every I think every every wrestler in this country now uh, signed or not needs to hold promoters to account and say there needs to be a paramedic yeah like Attack will use attack. Will use dragon. Dragon Pro is a perfect example. Dragon Pro runs a trainee show. The amount we very rarely do we use contracted wrestlers on that show. It's a show full top to bottom of 
of the Welsh trainees and other people we believe that can come in and have great showcase matches. Yeah. We do not do shows at the Neon unless the paramedic is there. And that's yeah. not because we have contracted wrestlers. We don't, that's with or without contracted wrestlers on the show. And that's how it should be. Every British wrestler in this country should hold promoters to an account and say, I am not wrestling on this show unless there's a paramedic. Yeah. And, and, and you are the reason why. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it sucks to like, you know, like what happened and stuff. But the good thing to come out of this is that going forward from this break, that where there has been shows, there has been paramedics at shows. So it's good that, you know, like promoters are like, oh, my God, like, you know, OK, we'll have to have like paramedics now. So what surgery did you need? To, so they've literally now told you broke your lumbar. What's what's uh, you got to have surgery? What what happens over the next couple of hours? <laughs> well, um, I remember trying to sleep, and I couldn't. And then they moved me into like a, an old like woman's ward, and they had to com- keep me completely flat back. So I wasn't allowed any pillows. I wasn't allowed. Literally, I just they couldn't move the bed at all. I had to just lie completely straight on my back, and I'm and. At this point as well, I had a really bad, like, chest, you know, like, I was I pretty sure I had a chest infection. And, like, um, so imagine trying to, like, cough when you've broken your back is the most painful thing ever. And then, but, yeah, I remember going into, like, the, um, the like, women's ward and stuff and, like, um, <laughs> literally, like, it was just, like, I, it was just the worst. I remember waking up. And I, there was like six doctors around me just staring at me with clipboards. And I was like, hello. <laughs> and then they were like just saying how, like, you know, you need surgery and stuff. I mean, the first, the first day, um, first, yeah, like day and a half for me, I was okay. Like I was all right. Like I, I felt okay. Like, you know, I'll have surgery. I'll be fine. And I felt all right. I was in a bit of pain, but I was fine because I wasn't being moved. And then they decided then that they wanted to give me pressure relief because otherwise I get bed sores. And obviously I work in a nursing home, so I understand the whole like you need to give people pressure relief and like you have to tilt them from side to side and stuff or whatever, so they don't get any bed sores and pressure sores which can break their skin and cause infection. Um, so they what they had done, they had log roll because they could only log roll me, and they had to have, um, I think it was like six nurses. So three on each side to move me. Um, they had moved me. And I think for for me then, that was when the nerves just kind of just like went crazy. They had all pillows down my side, but I just couldn't get comfortable. And from that moment that they had moved me, the next like four days, I literally could not get comfortable. I was in so much pain. I was screaming. Like I just couldn't keep comfortable at all. And um, it was horrible. And then they had to move me back. and I, And then I just my nerves were like just going crazy and all of my body was just going completely nuts and I was in I was in agony just to lying on my back was in absolute agony but Mike Bird like and like Sarah Hatch and all and like and obviously like you guys came down and stuff and like Travis came down um Martin came down you know like Rhea came like everyone that came down to see me was like so it was so nice to see everyone because I was scared that I was going to be on my own down there but um yeah like it was just mad and then I remember I was the only way I could get comfortable was if I had pulled myself and like give moved myself and was led on my side but I always had my knees up I just I couldn't keep them straight down but I would literally be holding on to like the bedside 
and just on my like left side just and that was the only bit I could like stay comfortable because the nerves weren't going crazy but every time I was like led on my back or they tried to move me and so I just couldn't get comfortable at all like it was once they had moved me that was like the worst pain ever for me and I couldn't take any aura morph because I was just throwing up all the time like I was in hospital and I had to stick in my hearing and my ear for like two hours straight because they were so busy doing everyone else I didn't care I mean I had other things to worry about <laughs> but um yeah like I just couldn't keep anything down I didn't eat for literally like a week straight I mean I was drinking now and then but only because like bird was like forcing me to drink and like otherwise I just couldn't I felt physically sick with any of the food that they had brought in and obviously hospitals there's no smell in a hospital it's completely clean so the food that they had like had for the other people that were in the ward where I was I just felt sick and I had to have a fan on me because I just was getting hot flushes and that was like the worst experience ever like I just couldn't I couldn't stay comfortable I couldn't stomach anything I was in agony and then I remember there was two different sorts of um spinal clinic um spinal team doctors and I had to sign some paperwork to say yeah whatever and then they were either going to do it on the Tuesday or the Wednesday and I was waiting all day for Tuesday for them to do it and they just they couldn't do it and then on the Wednesday it was a like court to fall that they had taken me down and it was just like the nurse came she was so lovely she was like we're gonna take you down now and I remember <laughs> I was so happy about it and I remember just closing my eyes all day and was just like you know like they'll come now like they'll take me now like you know it'd be great and then when she actually came and she was like in fact they're gonna take you down for surgery now that was like the most happiest like moment of my life um but yeah, they had taken me down to surgery. I don't even remember falling asleep or anything. At this point, I just didn't care. When the doctor told me first that I potentially have to have surgery, I was so nervous. But then the more that you're in pain and the more that, like, you know, you just can't stomach anything, I just didn't care. And I was just like, I just don't care. So I don't even remember falling asleep or anything. But I remember waking up, right, in, like, where I don't even know where I was. But I remember waking up and putting my hand up, right, and my eyes were, like, half open half closed and um he came up to me and he was like are you okay and I was like I'm so thirsty and he was like what do you want to drink and I was like can I have some Lucozade <laughs> <laughs> and he was like we haven't got any Lucozade we got water and I was like I need cold water and I literally drank like three pints of like cold water because I was so thirsty but I just wanted Lucozade and I don't know why but I woke up and I was like I just really want Lucozade and then I remember, like, obviously they took me back to, like, you know, where I was. And then um, Bird was there with um, his fiance Paige. And then, um, which was nice. And I was just so happy. And then I was able to have a pillow. They sat me up the bed a bit, you know. And it was just really nice. And I, I felt so refreshed after I had that. Like, it was, it was just a nice feeling to feel a bit normal again. And then, because obviously I hadn't showered in, like, a week as well. And then um, they were giving me bed bath and stuff, but they couldn't really move me because obviously, you know, I, yeah. So um, the um, the physiotherapist came and it wasn't even like, I think it was like 12 hours after surgery, maybe not even that. She came up well, to me and she was like... So for anyone who doesn't know, what did the surgery entail? What did they have to do? Right, so they had to um, put six screws in my spine to keep my spine secure and then hope... and then. Where the lumbar heals then, like, it has a bit of support to heal. So, yeah, so they had to put, like, six screws in my back. 
that's he- that's just the thought of that is absolutely but then the moment you had the surgery then you said like you were like almost like pain free from the pain you had before yeah i literally felt fine i was it was mad like as soon as i had those screws put in i felt i mean it was painful but it wasn't as painful but i felt so much happier and relieved and then when the physiotherapist came um you know it wasn't even 12 hours after surgery the only thing that hurt the most obviously my back hurts but it was obviously where they had to like cut me open to put the screws in obviously the skin has to heal itself and um like um fatty tissue and stuff is like really like sore to like heal anyway and like any cuts of skin or whatever and obviously it's quite deep as well obviously to get to your spine and um but yeah like you know it wasn't even 12 hours after surgery and she was like right come on then let's go walk in and I was like what and she was like yeah we're gonna go for a walk and I was like oh my god but I literally could not get out of bed like at all like, it was really hard for me to try and get out of bed. And I, I wasn't allowed to pull myself up using, the, like, the bed handles. I literally had to... I mean, if it was, like, it, it was like if I was in my own bed, I had to kind of push myself out, self up myself and get out that way. Because, obviously, there's no point in me learning how to do it in a hospital bed because that's not what I have at home. Yeah. And um, it was literally... <laughs> she had She was holding on to me, and I had one crutch in my other hand. And my feet, I couldn't move my feet. So it was literally me dragging my feet on the floor to try and, you know, move. I hadn't walked in a week. I, you know, my body had just gone through this massive, like, traumatic thing. So, like, I had to try and... I mean, it was it was literally learning how to walk again. That's... It was mental. It was absolutely crazy. But then when I was able to, like, move my muscles again and I was able to, like, finally pick my feet up off the floor, that was, like that was good and then I had to walk up some stairs that was really hard but then when I had managed to do it I was okay and I had my back my balance was fine but um yeah it was just kind of just like warming my muscles up again a bit but it was nice to be able to like walk again but trying to get out of bed was really painful but then when I managed to do it it was kind of just like forgetting about the pain and just trying to do it you you pretty much had you pretty much had to learn to walk again yeah so I literally had to learn how to walk again it was mad and then um it, it's just crazy because you it's mad how you think you know you, you're taught how to walk when you're a baby and like you're taught like you know how to get up and stuff when you're so young as well so try for me trying to learn how to walk again was was mental and I, I had to like learn how to take myself to the toilet and stuff because I couldn't obviously for those seven days I couldn't do it and so it was you know I had to like sitting on the toilet or like pushing yourself up from the toilet pushing yourself up from the bed like onto the bed and stuff like that it was just yeah it was a lot of like learning how to do it again so at this point are you told like you're told you can wrestle are you told you can wrestle again yeah so um you know the doctor um i had another mri scan he was like yeah the surgery was a complete success like you know like it was great so you can go back to live like your normal life and like wrestle again and I was like oh sick okay um he said obviously after three months after my surgery that's when I can start doing yoga that's when I can start doing swimming that's when you know I can start doing exercises again and then when I seen um I mean he said I could wrestle again anyway once I had the screws out but then when I went to see my consultant in Wales um 
he was so nice. He was so funny. And then he literally was just like, yeah, if you want to like roll around on the floor and grapple with sweaty people, then yeah, you can crack on and all this. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, thanks and all. But um, yeah. And then he told, I thought the screws were going to be stayed in there for like my life now, but he told me that he wants to take the screws out. Um, so my spine can heal naturally and there's not going to be any more like fractures or like any problems with my spine going in the future because it's all that na- is healed naturally. And um, but he he had left for like another job, and I had a new um consultant. And my new consultant, when I had seen him, he was like, "Yeah, like you can wrestle again. Like once the screws get taken out, you can literally wrestle eight weeks after." And I was like, "You do know what wrestling is, don't you?" And he was like, "Yeah." And I was like, Are "You sure?" He said, "I mean, I've just broke my back, and you're telling me that I can literally wrestle again after eight weeks after having surgery to take the screws out." And he was like, "Yeah," and I was like. I don't believe you. I was like, okay. And, um, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, which I felt happy about, but I was obviously a bit, oh, you know, like learning, like wrestling again and stuff like that. I mean, if I did have the surgery and they'd taken the screws out and like, um, he said I could wrestle eight weeks after, I probably wouldn't. I'd probably leave it like another year and a half, two years to, for my spine to heal naturally anyway. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh my god, it was mad. It's it's such a it's such a weird one as well because again, I I speak as somebody who's like I've 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 just hit my shoulder twice now and I've and I've uh I've torn my labrum twice, mm. and the one rehab was through the NHS, which is yeah. an absolute godsend. Like both of us have been able to have surgery uh, through the NHS for free, which probably would have absolutely bankrupted us if we'd been yeah. in the country and we're able to live full and happy lives because of it. But my second, I haven't had surgery since the second one, but seeing <clears> how seeing how the rehab is through the NHS and seeing how the rehab is now using like the re doctors. Yeah. I feel that like him saying you could wrestle eight weeks afterwards and you'd be like, You sure you know what wrestling is? And and I can honestly say I I don't think they do because no. I, I I feel that their job as a their job as a unit NHS is to give people uh, the ability to rehab and to go back to living full and healthy lives. Now that that term full and healthy life is the confines of a normal person's life. Yeah. Wrestling is extraordinary. Like mm-hmm. the like you you know yourself like a regular a bump for a regular person broken like without a broken back can be traumatizing. And you can be winded and you can be aching for days and stuff like that. So, again, to, like, you know, eight weeks afterwards, I, I don't I don't I think you would definitely would need to go find yourself uh, a physio or somebody after they were taken out and speak to somebody who knows yeah. the wrestling feel. But anyway, at this point, you're like, you've gone. All right. I can wrestle again. I guess that's lit a fire on you. You're like, I will wrestle again. This is what I want to do. I want to come yeah. back. And obviously, yeah. And obviously, like, um, when I did break my back, I was kind of like, oh, like, just didn't really care. It was, you know, like, what? Obviously, you don't realise what you have until it's gone. And then, obviously, so when I did break my back, and then I had seen on, like, Twitter and stuff of, like, stupid people doing stupid bumps who are not even professional wrestlers, and, like, just for, like, a laugh and stuff, like, that superhuman guy or whatever doing stupid stuff... That made me mad because I was like, you don't understand what you're doing to your body. I broke my back and I literally could probably never wrestle again. And then there you are doing stupid stuff. You're not even a trained wrestler. 
and for stuff like that, me seeing people do stupid stuff really pissed me off. And um, so when he told me that I could wrestle again, I was so happy. And I was like, do you know what? This is the second chance that I have. I'm going to, like, prove everyone wrong. Like, I can wrestle, you know, like, just give it my all. Because I didn't realise how much I loved wrestling until I had it taken away from me. So at this point now, you're like, right, I'm going to start yoga. I'm going to I'm gonna rehab it. I'm going to follow everything the doctors say. Yeah. And come back better than ever. So... So what? So what changed? Well, um, I had a lot of back pain anyway, which I always do. I mean, <laughs> I'm not gonna have any, not gonna have any pain in my. But um, I was, I was in work, and um, like I went back to work like three months after I broke my back, right? Which I probably shouldn't have, but I wanted to, you know. I didn't want to be doing nothing again, so I went straight back to work, you know in a nursing home which is 24 hour care and um a few weeks ago I was I was just getting really bad pain I was getting pins and needles down my left leg you know like it was like my like bum would go really numb and stuff like my back I, like I couldn't feel the skin and like when I obviously when I had my first surgery I couldn't feel any of the skin anyway but then obviously I got a bit of feeling on it now but I couldn't feel any of the skin and I was just like this is really weird and I was in agony anyway and I was in work and um I tried to bring my doctors for some advice, but they wasn't open. So it said, bring um, 111, which is the NHS hotline. So I rang the NHS hotline and I was just like, you know, like I just want some advice. Like my doctors are not open. I explained my situation and um, they're like, okay, like we'll get someone to call you back or whatever. And um, I had a paramedic lady bring me back. And she literally was, like, I explained to her, like, everything that I had been, like, um, experiencing and stuff. And she had said to me, she was like, it sounds like you have nerve damage. And that alone, for someone who was 22, is literally, like, what? Like, and obviously that's scary. And um, she was like, you need to go to A&E straight away. And I was like, oh, my God, okay. So I'm in work now. And I'm absolutely shitting myself. Um, I tell my senior care, I was like, I need to go to hospital. Like they had, they had me, um, and they had arranged like a taxi for me and stuff like that. So I had gone straight to A and E. Was there? I had another CT scan. I had another MRI scan. And when I was there in A and E, like um, the doctor who came to tell me my results had told me he was like, your scans, um, you know, like nothing really seems to have changed since January. It does look like a bit of nerve damage, but nothing that we're worried about. He said, um, I've referred you to the spinal clinic, which is in Caerphilly, um, and hopefully they can help you from there. Like, it'll be a few weeks. And I was like, okay, like, that's fine. And obviously, I was supposed to have my surgery in March, right, to have my screws taken out. So this is, like, May, June now, where I'm way over where I should be having my, like, screws taken out, because obviously... I'm going to have problems with my back. Like my first consultant said, if they don't take the screws out, I'm going to have back problems. Um, so then I went to the spinal clinic and then he told me, he was like, um, oh, so if they told you anything about your results? And I was like, no. And it, it kind of felt, I don't think he realised that I didn't know. So he had showed me and he was like, your lumbar is completely healed. Like, that's perfect. He said, we want to take the screws out, but at the moment we're not allowed to do any sort of surgery because of, like, the COVID situation. It's only life-threatening injuries that we can do. 
and I was like okay and he was like but when the like you know it starts lifting up a bit and stuff then we can start doing other procedures and then obviously you'll be on the list and then he put me I was on like the low low risk list and um he said but you have another fracture on your back and I didn't know this and he was like so that's why you're experiencing all the pain that you're you're having and I was like oh well I mean, why? Like, I felt angry because I was like, "Why didn't they tell me that I had another fracture on my back instead of putting myself through?" You know, like I was, I continued to go back to work, and I was still lifting people who were up to like twenty kilos. You know, um, not twenty kilos, twenty stone. So I'm moving people on my own. I'm doing all this work, just powering through the pain, and I was annoyed at the fact that they hadn't told me I had another fracture on my back. So. I was still in work, you know, lifting people, washing people, doing everything that you have to do in a nursing home, which are people who are up to 20 stone. I mean, for someone who is breaking your back and you're moving people who are 20 stone, that's a lot of pressure on your back. And um, so I was really upset about that. But where I had my first break was on like the left side. You can kind of say how I seen the x-ray. But then my new fracture is on the right hand side but lower down. So it's like two different bones which are broke which I've broke, which made me so confused and I was so upset by it. And he just said, you know, it's from the pressure on your back and like um the screws need to be taken out. But also we can't do it. And he said if if that doesn't your new fracture doesn't heal on itself, then we're gonna have to put screws in and like a, a rod in and stuff so it heals naturally. And then we can like place it together. And I'm like, I don't want to be having all these surgeries and all these screws in my back. Like I want my spine to heal naturally. I don't want, I don't want to have like foreign objects in my body, you know? And um, so he kind of just like, you know, said that. And I was upset by the fact that he told me I had another fracture on my back anyway. But then I said, can I wrestle again? And he literally looked at me and he was like, seeing that this fracture that's on your back, he said, no he was like you can't wrestle again he was like if he I mean he said if it heals on its own in a few months he said then possibly but he said but no like looking at this you you literally can't and then obviously I was like so heartbroken like cried my eyes out and stuff and I even tried like trying to find like private you know insurance to try and go like private healthcare so I can have the screws out done quicker and so so my spine can heal naturally but like no insurance company is going to insure me because I've already had problems before and I had to have surgery. But, um, yeah, like, it was just so heartbreaking for him to tell me that I can't wrestle again. And literally was crying for, like, four days straight. I mean, now that it's, like, off my chest a bit, I can kind of... I feel okay. Not okay about it, but I feel a bit more relaxed about it than I had done when he had told me. Like, I cried in the car to my nan. I cried all the way home. I cried in, like, when we went shopping. Like, cried myself to sleep every night, you know. And I had to get around the fact that, you know, I'm going to have to retire. And for me, that was, like, just the hardest thing ever that I had to do, I think. Because I built in my head that I was going to come back and I was going to wrestle again. And I was going to have this, like, big, massive, like, sick comeback, you know. And I was going to, like be so good in training and I was gonna you know prove people wrong and stuff like that who had like doubted me or whatever and um but yeah for him to tell me that was like absolutely heartbreaking it's it's 
It's such a hard one because I know that a couple of days before you made the announcement, like you messaged myself and you messaged Brendan, you messaged um, Bowen, and you told us all what was happening. And yeah. I know that the moment you did, like, uh, it's like you say, like, "Oh, don't say anything," and you sent you sent it, but they're like, you sent the same message, "Don't say anything to all." <laughs> yeah, when when well, when this when this happened originally, we were very much like we kind of said to you. Like Tasha, like you're like you're done. Like this yeah. is like you broke your back. You're done, and you were like, "Yeah, I don't want to wrestle again." And we were all like, "I think we'd come to terms with it." We were upset, but knowing what we'd been told by that athletic trainer, how like you potentially could have been in a wheelchair for the rest of your life, we saw it as a you got off lucky. That's how we yeah. saw it. We were like, we were like, right, she can't wrestle again. That, and we were like. Wait, wait a second. is that it? And they're like, that's it. I go, wait a So she's going to be able to walk. She's going to be able to run. She's going to be able to have a full life. Like, now, like nothing else will change. Just the fact yeah. that she can't wrestle. And they were like, yeah. And we, to us, we were like, thank goodness. Like, brilliant. But I feel like we'd spoke to you and you were like, yeah, I know. I can't wrestle again. And then little by little, we'd have conversations with you. And you'd be like, <laughs> they said this. And, I would, and then we'd be like, <laughs> like, she's convincing herself. She's like, she's coming back. And again, we were all... We weren't putting roadblocks, but we were saying to you, like we had this conversation, we even said, if you come back, we're going to make it so much harder for you than it's ever been. I not know. because we don't want you not to wrestle, but because you know yourself, you you fell into that, into that, as you said, like being a bit lazy and you weren't training as much, and you got hurt. Now you got hurt as somebody who was relatively healthy, no back problems, no issues, and yeah. you wasn't putting hundred yeah. percent, uh, and. You wasn't hundred percent training. Now we're a bit, and we expect hundred percent from regular people. So we were saying to you, we're going to have to expect hundred and fifty percent. We're going to want you training harder than you've ever trained before. You've got to prove to us. We don't care about the doctors. Once the doctors say yes, you can. You've got to prove to us that you're ready and you can wrestle. And you were like, yeah, I will, I will, I will. But a part yeah, of us was yeah. still very like, like, I don't, we don't want you wrestling. We don't want you getting hurt. So when you kind of message us to say, oh, they told me I can never wrestle again. I know for you it was almost like because you built yourself back up, it was it was like you were being told it for the first time. Like yeah, this yeah. this is over. So for us it was a little bit more like it was well I was I, like I I spoke to Edge a couple of months ago and he said that when it got taken out of his hands, it was a relief. Yeah. And I, I feel like when you messaged us and said the doctor had said you can't wrestle again, I felt like it was a relief for us three because it had been taken out of our hands. It wasn't us having to like be the bearer of bad news or us trying to kind of like protect you. It was the doctors then going, you can't. And I know it was yeah. super upsetting yeah. for you, but for us, as I said, the worst part that could have come out of this, like the, like you, I said, you don't know how lucky you are. Like you could have literally, we could be having this conversation with you unable to use your arms, with you unable to use your legs, with yeah. us talking yeah. about how you're never going to live a normal life again. And you've got your entire life ahead of you. And it's, I I look at this as as upsetting as it is, and I know you were upset. From a friend point of view, I was just relieved. I was a bit like that you were 100% okay. And and they, as I said to you as well, parts, wrestling, re, actually wrestling is such a small part of wrestling. I know. That if you want to be a part of it, and you want to be a part of wrestling, the fact that you can't do it, oops won't stop you and again i just feel really grateful that you're able to live a 
if you you able to live a full and healthy life yeah i am very lucky and you know like the doctor telling me i can't wrestle again as much as how it was heartbreaking like you said it is kind of like a relief so like if i did come back and you know he never said that i'd be expected not just by my trainers but by fans as well to be this like insane like like especially with I feel like with fans they expect me to be like I don't know just something that I'm not you know like this beast or whatever because I broke my back and I come back and whatnot and I feel like even though I mean I'd probably still be in pain if I was doing it trying and like do it improve myself I wouldn't have said anything and I could have made my body put my body through a lot worse so it is kind of a relief to say I can't wrestle again because it is out of my hands and I'm not expected to be something that I'm not if I ever did come back. I think that's I think that's a very a very grown up response <laughs> to it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I love how you're shocked by I'm shocked, I'm shocked too, don't worry. Uh, um how I usually like to finish these up and I know that uh usually this isn't a question I tiptoe around, it's one that's very standard. I ask people this question they don't want asked at the start and all this other stuff, but with you, this was a question I messaged you the other day and said, like, um, and said to you, like, okay, I usually ask this question. Do you not want me to ask it? And you were like, no, no, I definitely do. So, yeah. um, again, for anyone listening, I'm not being insensitive. I have cleared this with you before we ask it. Um, <laughs> um, what's what's next then for Sierra Loxton? What do what do you want to do? Um, obviously. I can't wrestle again and obviously with the whole like COVID situation like no shows are really running but I think I want to be stronger obviously in my body and myself but once I am healed and like shows are up and running and training's up and running again I want to push myself more towards like the backstage kind of areas and like um maybe like you know like storylines or something or backstage interviews or um help planning matches or even being a manager on shows and stuff like that and promo <laughs> promos as well learn how to be confident in doing promos if I ever did become a manager for someone or do like any sort of like stuff like that like backstage or whatever because obviously they're in wrestling there's so much you can do like you don't have to just wrestle you can help you can help do anything like in wrestling, you know, like even even if it is just like the storylines or something like that. So I think I'd like to do, you know, like something like that and like just push myself in the more creative areas as well and be more confident with speaking in front of people if I ever did, you know, be a manager or backstage interviewer or a ring announcer and stuff like that. So I think there's so many ways that I can grow in wrestling, even if it is not actually wrestling. And that's again. I, that, I, we had this conversation. I'm really glad to hear that because I feel that there isn't really that many tra- uh, managers or managers that are prominent. There's not that many managers in the in the on the scene in general, really, that are prominent no. and great. But women, uh, female ones, especially, there's next to nothing. So I feel that you, you definitely would be an asset to, to any promotion uh, because you show now. I remember when you first trained and I remembered what you were like when you first started training and how good you got, <laughs> how good you got, like when, how good you got when you were still trying and stuff like that. Yeah. So I have no doubt that if you put your mind to it, this is something you could excel in. 
yeah definitely i mean like um like vicky haskins like she's like you know the only manager that i can really think of that i have in the uk i mean wwe wise paul Heyman and stuff like that and i think if you know i do push myself to be great in promos you know and i have the confidence and i can you know just say stuff and not care and it makes sense instead of me just yapping on and stuff like i feel like i can be something great within wrestling even if it's not actually wrestling and i i do generally believe that i mean obviously like i've always wanted to be a performer and i think even if it's not wrestling as much as it breaks my heart i can live with that knowing that i am still healthy but i can also entertain people in a different light i think that's fantastic yeah um how i usually like to wrap this up then is if you could give any any wrestlers coming into the business advice now what would that advice be just make sure your body's healthy (laughs) you know i'd say i mean what i'm quite glad about is that i know that dragon pro now there's an age like you have this is like a certain age that you can like start training i think it's like 18 or something yeah yeah they won't take anyone under the age of 18 no and i think that's really good because i started when i was so young my body was still developing and none of my bones had grown like fully strong and stuff like that so i i honestly think if you want to be a professional wrestler just please 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 make sure that your body is 100 percent strong you know and like if and just let wait until you're an adult because I wasn't an adult when I started training. I was a kid, you know, and like now I'm having all these problems, you know, with my back. And maybe if I started when I was, you know, maybe 18 or a little older, I might not have these problems. And like if you do get accepted into a, like a wrestling school and like you become a wrestler and start training, just put effort in, you know, don't be lazy like me and just just go for it, you know, and just be nice, be friendly, don't get involved in gossip <laughs> and just just give it your all. Where can, uh, where can people find and support you on the internet? Plug away anything and everything. Go for right. it. Right. So Instagram at Sierra Loxton, Twitter at Sierra Loxton. If you want to see me in some underwear, then go to my OnlyFans. <laughs> and it's probably just the same at or whatever anyway. So. I hope my nan doesn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, it's been absolute pleasure to sit down and chat with you. And I'm glad that we've done this as well because um, I know that when I messaged you, you were like, are you sure you want me on? Like, yeah. I, I think, again, this is probably something that you've been a little, uh, maybe a little bit nervous about or whatever or worried about maybe not having conversation or knowing what to say or whatever. But um we're we're here right now at about i think we've been on for nearly an hour and 40 minutes yeah so wow. uh, and i think you you've there's been moments in this comment where you, where you held your own and there was moments where you were like four or five minutes where i didn't say anything and you were just talking and yeah. that um you you can when you know what you're saying or what you want to say you can speak clearly and i think that it proves that when this all gets back to normal you can definitely be an asset uh, in that manageable, if you put your mind to it. Yeah, I just, I mean, once I know what I have to say, I'm all right, like, can I? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, really enjoyed sitting down and chatting with you, and uh, hopefully when this is all back to normal, I'll uh, see you at the show very soon. Absolutely smashing it. Yes, hopefully. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Bye. Bye.
How good was that? Like, as I said, it's, uh, I'm so glad that we, I feel that we got the timing on this one just right. I feel that we gave her long enough to process how she was feeling, but also jumped on it long enough that these emotions are still kind of very close to the surface and she's able to kind of tap in and speak about how she's feeling currently, what she wants to do in the future as well. That's a very important plan. As, uh, as I said on the podcast, I didn't want to uh, kind of just jump in and be like, what's next then? What's next? And I asked her, I don't have to, I said to her before, I don't have to ask this question. I can skip it. And she was like, no, no, I want you to ask. And I was like, well, have a think about it. And if you don't want me to ask, then you can you can tell me. I don't ask about it, I'll cut it out. But yeah, she's had a bit of a thought about it. And it was good that she was kind of, I felt like I prepared her a little bit for that chat. And I've known, uh, I've known Tasha, and I'll call her Tasha, because it's, uh, um, because I've known her so, so long. And I know that she can be, um, she'd be quite stubborn. I know that she can be quite hot-headed. Um, I know that she can, um, not always kind of express how she's feeling properly and I feel that doing this episode she did all that um it's the most professional I've seen her it's the most level-headed she also as well the way she kind of explains and talks about how she wasn't in a good place and how going into the injury and how the injury happening was kind of a little bit on the fact that like she wasn't training and how if she went back, if she had a time back, she definitely would be training more consistently. And of course, the re- like you can't expect. And again, I've seen it multiple times. You can't expect to do a sport which is so demanding as pro wrestling, and not be a in the physical shape you need to be, and also the physical conditioning. And you only get that conditioning like your body used to absorbing the bumps and used to taking it, and body being able to react and move certain ways. And you only get that from repetition. And doing it regularly and regularly. regularly. She said to themselves that they went out there and she wanted to prove to everyone that she could have this match. She uh, was she wanted to prove that she could kind of take these big bumps. But she wasn't training. And it's hard for you to be able to perform at that level while not training at that level. And unfortunately for her, she got hurt. And it's really, it's really cool that she was able to come on here and be honest with herself about that. And kind of stand as a as a warning and kind of stand as a, uh, a cautionary tale to people and be like, Hey, this is what happened to me. I don't want to see it happen to anybody else. Um, I, if I had my time over, I would do things very differently. I was hoping that when I came, I could come back to wrestling. I hope I was going to be able to do those things. I was going to be able to kind of, you know, redo and undo all the bad stuff and kind of train at that level. So I could come back to that level. But unfortunately that's not the case. And, as I said, it's a, it is sad. It is, but also it's. I feel that it's great that it's such a. It's so great, especially speaking to the the Dolores athletic trainer. It's so great that she's able to walk away, and live such a, a full life. Yeah, she can't wrestle. I understand, but that's such wrestling is such a small part of wrestling. Uh, she can still be involved in it. She'll still be able to go on and have a full full life, and that's something you really got to kind of be grateful for. And, uh, yeah, I think it, it was an absolute fantastic podcast. It was a great chat. And, uh, hopefully I can sit down with her in the next five years and we can look at how she's become, uh, a manager that's, uh, sweeping across the nation. I really hope that's the case. Uh, but yeah, big thanks to Sierra Oxen for coming on the show. Of course, if you've enjoyed the podcast, I say it at the start, say it every week, please be sure to rate, subscribe, review on whatever platform you're using. Uh, but the most important way and the best way to support us, uh, myself, Sierra Loxton, is to tweet it out. She I'll go the girl bear her art today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to uh, to tweet it out and uh, tell her you enjoyed it. 
and you know tell everyone else to go listen to her story she deserves to have yours on this on this story and of course um she only give her details at the end so definitely go hit her up on that um but for anyone who doesn't know mine um on the twitter i'm at flash underscore morgan on the twitter facebook.com forward slash flash morgan webster um instagram because again i love seeing the instagram stories it's at flash morgan webster um or if you want to send me uh an email uh hopefully when this is all done said and done we can get back to doing some shows and seminars that's flashmorganlive.co.uk yeah, I guess I wrapped up. I'm dying from hay fever. It's absolutely killing me. Um, if I'm taking some Puritans at the moment, and it's uh, there are other hay fever tablets available, <laughs> um, but it's doing absolutely nothing. So I'm definitely going to look at some other hay fever tablets. If anyone has any good remedies, we've got nothing but time. I'll try them all. Um, that'd be great. I thought I got away with it. I maybe I spoke too soon. I spoke to somebody who was like, "Hey, I'm struggling with it this year," and now it's uh, creeped in and started kicking my ass. I did just do a 15k bike ride along a canal, though. To be fair with all the grass and all the trees and all the pollen around me so probably not great uh but yeah big thanks to uh, enough bumbling again uh big thanks to cl Ox for coming on the show i thought it was an absolutely fantastic podcast big thanks for you guys uh for continuing to listening and also for rate subscribe reviewing um i was uh had the pleasure of talking to uh tom frazier the other day and uh we we're talking about podcasts and he was saying about he's doing some great numbers by the way definitely go check out his podcast um and I was talking to him and I've now managed to get myself onto the wrestling podcast, especially British ones. And I always seem to stay in the top 20, which I'm really happy with. I'd love to break the top 10. Um, but yeah, top 20 is fantastic at the moment. Hopefully we just keep building and building. Numbers do keep going up and uh, that's great. And hopefully, hopefully um, I can jump into the top 10 and have a, be a firm placement in the top 10 over the next year or so. But yeah, please keep doing that. But uh, yeah, keep listening. Uh, Big thanks to you, Loxon. Big thanks to you guys. And uh, all I have to say is, it's always a pleasure, always a treasure. And bye. Thanks for stopping by. Later, people. Stay safe. <laughs>